guys. Welcome to Overcrest. I'm Chris. And I'm Shane. And we have a pretty cool news episode for you guys today. I think we need to call it something better than news. So I'm going to call it the Overcrest News Rewind. From here on out, it is the News Rewind news with rewind. Jake and Chris. Shouldn't so we gonna... be looking forward instead of rewinding? News, we don't have a time machine, so we can't travel in the future to find out what news is happening next week. So we're going to talk about the news that happened over the last <laughs> I week I guess or so. that makes sense. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we'll talk and about... And we do have actually some really good stories here. Yeah, yeah, so we do have a couple good ones. I want to lead off with the kind of the big story of the week, especially if you like auctions or Porsche or anything like yes. that. Um, so you did you hear about the Porsche Type <sighs> I 64? I heard about it, and I didn't watch it until just a few moments ago. Okay, so did you know what was going on? or So... So you know, was, first of all, you know the car, right? Yes. So this is a really, 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 really early, maybe loosely described as a Porsche car. Right. Like it's some people the, don't even consider it a Porsche. Yeah, it is the 1939 Porsche in quotes, Type 64. Right. Which was one of Ferdinand Porsche's early, early experimental uh, vehicles. Right. So it's basically a Beetle. An aerodynamic it's beetle. It's very aerodynamic. Very, very aerodynamic. But you can see all the, the, the you can see the future of what he had in mind yeah. on that car. You can see the headlights are there, the the aerodynamics are there, the way that the um the fenders kind of come up a little bit and then the headlights sit in them. When you sit in the car, I saw a view from in the car, it looks like a Porsche. Yeah. So you can see that the DNA is there. But that's about it. There's really not <laughs> regardless much left. though, I mean it's really cool to have as a historical piece. And it is, you would assume, very valuable. Right. So basically, this was going to be auctioned at Monterey Car Week, which right. is which is huge. RM Sotheby's, and I mean, there's all kinds of different auction companies out there. And but this is a big week, and this is where the big dollar cars go. You have you have other things too. You have Amelia Island in Florida, but this is kind of this is the this is the big one. There's other big ones, but this is really big. And they were going to auction this car off, and the estimate was twenty million. Which would have made it the most expensive Porsche ever to sell at auction, and everybody's like super excited about it. I mean, um, so when um, you read that estimate, you're you're waiting for this to come up. So RM Sotheby's hired Jeff Swart and Patrick Long to do a film about this car, and then they gave it to uh, Chris Harris. Chris Harris drove it and went on and on and on about it. Oh, really? Yeah. So this, I mean, there was some big publicity leading up. Yeah, to the to sale of this car. So I'm going to read a little bit um, about what happened. Okay. So, <laughs> uh, so the auctioneer, uh, Dutch born Martin Ten Holder, seemed to open bidding at thirty million dollars, and that's when things got strange. Right. Quickly, thirty million dollars appeared as the current bid on the large information screens at the sale, and began climbing from there. So normally, when you have an auction, you have the cars on the stage, mm-hmm. and then you have Two computer screens, or I guess projector screens, we have. Right, that and shows it shows you. all the different dom- denominations in like Chinese yen and euro gotcha. and dollar and, sure. and whatever. Uh, so bids came in rapidly. The screen showing thirty, then forty, and then fifty million dollars. Finally, with bids having reached seventy million dollars, which is like. A, a 250 it's, GTO is like a $40 million car. Right. right? So it so would have been like, ridiculous, ridiculous that this went there. And, and the crowd is going wild. They're cheering. Um, so uh, finally, with bids having reaching $70 million on the screen to the astonished crowd, Tenholder realized the error and, error and confirmed that the actual bid was $17 million. Several minutes later, amidst jeers from the assembled audience, the car was hammered, not sold, with an undisclosed reserve price huh. not having been met. So... 
I don't know. I'm going to play a sound clip, and I want you to tell me what you think this guy is saying. $50 million. $50 million. $50 He's clearly saying $60 million to me. $60 million. He says $65 million. Right, and then $70 million. Right. But normally what they would say is they would say they would say sixteen five is what they would say. They would say sixteen five, seventeen five, whatever. That's it says seventy guys, it's seventeen. And then the crowd is just booing. Booing and disappointed and just super pissed off. So RM Sotheby's issued a statement about the blunder saying we take pride in listen to him boo. Yeah. And all this is is tons and tons of people that are super rich and super drunk on wine, super mad that a car isn't gonna sell for seventy million dollars. Which come on. If I was there, I would have been looking around like something's broken. Yeah. <laughs> What's going on? This is not right. So RM Sotheby's issued a statement about the blunder saying we take pride in conducting our world-class auctions with integrity, and we take our responsibility to our clients very seriously. This was in no way intentional on behalf of anyone at RM Sotheby's, rather an unfortunate misunderstanding amplified by the excitement in the room. Yeah. Okay, so this Dutch-born Martin Tenholder guy okay. needs to enunciate. Okay, if you're an auctioneer, first of all, why do you pick an auctioneer that has any sort of accent? You should pick, they should only be selected for their ability to be understood. Um, I Period. Think I, a lot of the auctioneers are British sounding. Sure. Because it sounds... Oh, it sounds a bit classier. It sounds classier. Absolutely. It's for Fine. all the people that hold their pinkies up Get off their coffee Get someone who cups. can enunciate then. He needs, because to me, I heard the same thing. I heard 40 million, You can still million, be British and million. say 17 yeah, just say teen. Teen. He's like he just was like seven or seven something. Days. Anyway, so the car didn't sell. Huge. I mean, massive f up so by Sotheby's. You think- imagine being the so it didn't sell, and then it didn't sell later. So there's no price agreed on after the hammer fell. Oh, really? So this it basically deflated the auction. Is all about momentum. Right. Right. It's all about you know, you know, you know, you. And then all of a sudden it's, you know, oh, shit, this is wrong yeah. by fifty three million dollars. So it totally <laughs> deflated the whole thing. Do um, you think if everyone knew exactly what the price was and he said 13 and then he said 14, do you think it would have gone higher? And yeah, sold? I think it probably. Well, you know, here's the thing is it's. It's not it's not it's not a Porsche. Really, if you really, really, really it's want to talk about it, it's vehicle, a historical though. vehicle, but it's not a port. It's almost like, is are the auto union cars Audi? I guess they probably are. Yeah. You know, it's kind of that type of thing where these early prototype cars, but it was, I mean, it was designed by him. So Jalopnik had a t- what I think is a terrible take on this okay. car. So the title Was of, this before or after? after? This is after. After this all happened. Yeah. So this was their everybody did a news article about this. Yeah. Here was their news article about this. And okay. I'm just going to pull a couple of things off that made me angry. Should the Porsche design Type 64 racer be considered 
Nazi memorabilia. <laughs> yeah, that's a weird take. That's it's a, a weird super spin. weird take. It says, there's some real controversy around the car, and it doesn't really have to do anything to do with the semantics of whether or not it's a Porsche. It has to do with the dark past of the car and the Internet's favorite dark past players, Nazis. And in the entire, mm. we all know German auto manufacturers' history. We all right. know it. Volkswagen, Mercedes, BMW. It's all tied in there. It's, it, but that doesn't make it a Nazi car. It's not a Nazi car. It was a car that was associated with Nazis. And I understand that the Porsche family was involved with Nazis. Yes. They were. But that's not why this car is significant. That's not why it's important. And he goes on to say, what about, uh, he says, uh, I'm also a Jew who has lost a family, lost family in the Holocaust. Pretty young guy. So I'm going to guess that he doesn't know any of the family that he lost in the Holocaust. He yeah, didn't lose not. anybody. It's somebody that's like great, great grandma or something that, okay. whatever. Uh, and I'm pretty sure I wouldn't get on so hot with the sort of people who find Nazi origins of this car to be its greatest appeal. Well, I don't think anyone who, does who is doing that? find the Nazi origins. No one was at appeal. Arm Sotheby's going, man, I can't wait to get that Nazi car. Nobody was doing that. <laughs> it wasn't happening that yeah, way. This seems Fuck like off. This is stupid. sensationalism journalism. Absolutely. This was clickbait, and yeah. I fell for it, but I wanted to talk about it. <laughs> anyway, about it. But what about the French Citroëns built, by, built for the Nazis? Are we going to be complaining about those because they were used by well, Nazis? What's your point? The auto union cars and Mercedes sure, are just what ab- as much, if not Absolutely. More. What about the Volkswagen Beetle? Yeah. Are we not supposed to eat Georgia peaches because at some point in our history they were picked by slaves? Can we wear cotton shirts? Is that okay? <laughs> what are we doing here? This is stupid. Uh, yeah, good point. Okay, so do you remember we talked about that Singer 911? That right. Was, yeah, because you can supposedly get one commissioned for like, what? Four to $600? Yeah. 600, 600. Sold. I'll write sold, a check Chris. right now. Um, four hundred thousand. Four hundred thousand, six hundred thousand dollars So one came up privately for auction, right? Well, privately for auction is not a thing. It went up for auction, which means sorry, no, but it, it was a private sale or a private owner basically reselling it. Right, what I right. Mean by so it sold. It's for, not being sold by Singer. Right, it sold for eight hundred fifty-seven thousand dollars, which doesn't make any sense. I don't get it. And then remember that McLaren yeah. F one that was estimated to sell for twenty or twenty-two or something. Okay, sold for nineteen eight. That's right there. Nineteen point eight million dollars it's right there but maybe a million dollars or so less than they thought it was going to sell for but it's still the most expensive mclaren f1 i don't care about any of this and care about values but i just we talked about it before and i wanted to mention it okay so moving on i really like this this is great this next story is so good have you ever repaired a flat tire with band-aids i have not chris (laughs) with band-aids have you you ever considered repairing a flat tire with Band-Aids. I have not. All right. So at about 6 a.m. this morning, this is by the the, the police station. Oh, uh-huh. I didn't catch the uh, look up. See what police click that and see what police station is. Yep. That was the at about 6 a.m. this morning. An alert citizen noticed a suspicious man parked next to a vehicle near Felipe Barbandanes. And that must be the streets and called dispatch. Yeah, it's mission at the, Mission Viejo. Mission Viejo. OK. So, of course, it's California. Mm-hmm. When it's California is almost getting as comically bad as, as Florida. Florida. Like when you bring stuff up, it's like either it's Florida or California. There's well, one. Well, it used to be Florida or Wisconsin. Well, that's only because you're from Wisconsin. Mm, Nobody talks mm, about dumb shit people do in Wisconsin and Arizona. That's where all the serial killers come from. That's true. <laughs> that's true. But we're talking right, comedy. So, anyways, uh, so when deputies arrived, they noticed both of the driver's side tires were flat. 
and the 26-year-old was trying to use gauze and Band-Aids to repair his tires. He was arrested for being under the influence of drugs. Okay, well, that makes more sense now, right? taken to jail. This Can you just oh imagine goodness. the guy like super high being like, I'm going to put this Band-Aid right here. I'm going to just put it right. <laughs> so super slow and careful. And he's like, I got it. <laughs> That's the only way this would make sense. <laughs> this is another great example of teamwork between our alert community and your deputies. Keep calling in suspicious activity and keep the city safe. Did you see the pictures? Yes, I'm looking at them now. It's- the first aid kit is like blown up. It's just sprawled oh. out. Like he gets a flat. I'm sure he's looking. Oh, I need to fix this. <laughs> he's like, I have a first aid kit. And I'll, I'll link it for wow. everybody too. Yeah, of course. pretty good. But, uh, anyway, so th- <laughs> I just can't believe that. I don't. Why? What is the thought process there? I think he just had a flat. He had to fix his flat tire. That's that's pretty much all there was to it. He had to do it. Do he you didn't think have a choice. And he knew he had a spare. Now I know that he had two. Jake tires they were blown Jake. so that wouldn't make sense but he was on drugs before you go to a band-aid i would at least try to put on a spare you would think but i yes i agree okay. so um have you ever done any weird macgyver shit to get your cars going again oh uh my best one is probably a boat actually okay what did you have to do in high school or college i was out with some friends down on the st croix river and i don't know if they lost the keys to the boat like in the water or something. Aren't you so, supposed to have a floaty on your keys? Yes, you are. Okay. So I was able to MacGyver with a bobby pin and hotwire the boat, which I'm pretty proud of. That's uh, not, not with a bobby pin? Yeah. Hey, that's pretty good. Yeah. Where's, where's everybody super impressed? Oh, yeah. They're all like, <laughs> oh, oh, you're going to do that? What, what you don't realize is with a boat it's just under the wires. dash, it's like right there. Yeah. yeah. There's three wires going to the ignition. So all I had to do was like jump the hot and then also just. And everyone's like, what? So very common thing that I've had to do is like coolant hoses break and you have to like trim them back and then stretch them out and put them back on again. I've done a lot of that. But the best one that I've ever had to do was I had the throttle cable on Jesse's car break. So that's that's side draft carburetors sticking out the front of the engine towards the front of the car. And I had this this spring linkage on the top so it bolts to the top of the carburetor and it's normally the butterflies have springs built in sure but this is like race stuff so this is to meant to close the carburetors as fast as possible gotcha. when you get off the gas sure. and it gives a pretty good pedal feel too mm-hmm. and i remember i hit the gas really hard and the throttle cable just broke so it's mm-hmm. like what and it just died mm-hmm. i'm okay how am I going to get this car home? Yeah. So basically what I did is I took my shoelaces out of my shoes. No. And I ran them out the window. <laughs> <laughs> and I drove the car home pulling on the shoelace. That was your throttle. The, that was my throttle. Okay, it was the shoelace in my arm, which was super disorienting. Like how do you shift then too? Because exactly. It was, uh, it was not. Shoelace in, clutch in, <laughs> shift. Shoelace Cl- in. Clutch out, shoelace pull back slowly. <laughs> it, uh, it did not work very well. It was basically get it in a third as best you can. Yep. And it was only a few miles because it was kind of like a That's test run. That's pretty I had a shoelace tied together. I I've a- heard of people using like literal like leather belts on their outfits to repair like fan belts and stuff. I've heard pantyhose works really well for that. Really? Yeah, because it doesn't break. Really? Yeah, pantyhose. Works for fan belts. I can't imagine that has enough 
hundred percent strength does. or grip or I don't know. When you get home, go home, go in your top drawer and grab your pantyhose out my, out of my drawer, <laughs> my top drawer. Okay, and just try and try and break it. You won't be able to. You can use pantyhose okay. as a V belt. I don't know. I don't know if it would work for a serpentine belt, right? But I know that it would work for a V belt. Interesting. In a pant. All right. So, um, Big Brother stuff here. Mercedes is keeping tabs on you. On me? Well, do I don't have, own a Mercedes. You do, though. I do, but it's much older. Too it doesn't old. have any of this crap, which is another reason not to buy new cars. Mercedes <laughs> has sparked. Uh, this is in England, of course. All this weird, like Big Brother stuff. You know what's weird about England is they call, um, like the police or the government or whatever, the home office. The home office. The home office. You like that? I hate it. It's so creepy. (laughs) Yeah, the home office sent me a letter today. The home office called. It just doesn't sound good. It sounds like the principal is calling. Yeah. Um, Mercedes has sparked a privacy role by admitting it spies on drivers with tracking devices covertly installed in its cars. The secret sensors fitted to all new and used motors sold by the firm's dealers pinpoint the vehicle's exact location so this is a dealer issue it's a dealer issue but it's on all mercedes so it's sold by these dealers yeah so do you think that absolves mercedes of culpability since they didn't not if they they told their dealers to do it yeah we'll have to find out the firm sold more than one hundred and seventy thousand new cars in britain last alone last year mercedes will not say how long it's been using the sensors Excuse me. And it insists they are only activated in extreme circumstances, mm-hmm. a.k.a. when finance customers have defaulted on their payments. Oh, really? Yeah. So this is basically the repo man needs to find your car. Is that really what they're, they're 100%. using this for? That's 100% what it is. Really? 100%. Yep. It, uh, it admits sharing car owner information and vehicle location details with third-party bailiffs, otherwise known as repo men here in, right. in America. We have that's a cooler name. Usually the English have cooler stuff. They call it a bailiff. We call it the repo man. Well, isn't a bailiff in the court? Like, yeah, he's the court the, is the bailiff. He's the guy that takes you. Yeah, he's the guy standing next to Judge Judy that laughs right, at all exactly. our jokes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so Mercedes rivals, including BMW, Jaguar, Land Rover, and Volkswagen, have all said they do not carry out similar tracking. They do not. Interesting note: Mercedes dominates the UK leasing market with an estimated eighty percent. Of their new vehicles sold on finance plans. So here's that basically leads me to believe that people want it, want people to think they drive a Mercedes, can afford it, but they're all leasing them. Yeah, good point. Yeah, um, I feel like any new car today has this capability, though. It probably think about it. If even, it's not, if it's not written to the software, it doesn't. If it's not written in, and if it doesn't have a low jack or whatever it is that they're using. Think, Okay, but playing devil's advocate, even my 2009 Hummer has OnStar, right? And if right. I get in a crash, it'll say, we're sending police to your location. Yeah, but we th- know your location, and that data is transmitted. Yeah, but that's different because you the airbags have to deploy, or you have to hit the button. This isn't them going, where are you? You don't think where they have you? the capability of doing that? I don't know. It just depends Technically on Technically how- speaking, they... I imagine do. I imagine that the hardware is there, yeah. but I don't know if they have the software capability to do it. Okay. I think we would have heard about it like, hey, Bob robbed a bank and was driving away in his 2009 Hummer H3 <laughs> five-speed manual of which only 53 were ever made. It's 56. <laughs> Sorry. Yes. And uh, <laughs> we need to find out where he is. And the, the cops found him by using his OnStar. People would freak out if anybody was doing that. They would freak out. Nobody's doing that with... Um, you know, repo men aren't using it or anything like that. True. It's, the repo men actually have to have skill here in America. 
All right. Next so story. speaking of keys and hot wiring, it's not, this is, I'm trying to figure out when you were talking about that, what's easier, this or when you did that thing to the boat. Uh, okay. All right. So key, keyless cars are easy to steal. Really? Really. So, so this keyless is, being when you have the little fob right. and you walk up and the car unlocks for you because it's proximity, then you get in and you just have to like hit the start but, button. And then you drive away. Okay. Okay. So here's what people are doing. And um, this is this test was done because what car is a company that tested another England firm. Okay. Um, car thefts are up 50% in England, which is... That's wow. That's a huge number. So what you have to do is this. You have a receiver. Mm-hmm. That basically, if you wanted to break into somebody's garage, is the same way you would do it. Right. What would you do? So, well, I watched Gone in 60 Seconds years and years ago, where they have the little thing that picks up the RF transmitting sequence or whatever it is, and you just have to redo that. That is exactly what you do. So it's all radio frequency. Essentially. So So they have a little thing that they can decode, and they, they capture it, and then they can get into your car. Yeah. So among the test group was the Audi TT Roadster, the 2018 BMW X3, DS3 Crossback, Ultra Prestige, which is what a stupid name, the Ford Fiesta, a Land Rover <laughs> Discovery, a Land Discovery Sport, and a Mercedes-Benz A-Class. Some of these had standard keys, while others had keyless options, with the intention being to see if it's any easier to steal a standard car as opposed to a keyless one. Sure. Now that's push button is what they mean. Worst of the bunch was the DS3 Crossback Ultra Prestige. What's a DS3? What is that? DS. Citroen? Citroen DS. Pretty sure. Yeah, it must be because it doesn't say all the other ones have the brand just says DS, which should which could be stolen in a mere 10 seconds. Wow. 10 seconds. Keyless entry is standard. And according to what car, the doors popped open after five seconds. From there, it was only another further five before they could drive away with it. It is a Citroen. It's a little hatchback thing. Yep. Many cars had something called smart keys or advanced keys. Basically, mm-hmm. that meant that the key could be deactivated and thus prevent those cars from being stolen. So basically, it's it's almost like your garage door, right? You have this yeah. little lock button on your garage door. Oh yeah. Where it just it just it's a kill switch. No matter what you do, you go out to touch the keypad outside. You hit the buttons, nothing happens. Sure. Unless so, it's basically that is what I'm what I'm kind of gathering. There's no way for thieves to enter the car without an activated key fob. So you need the key mm-hmm. fob. You need to turn the key fob on. Sure. And then use it. That said, once the fob was activated, thieves could still pretty easily drive off with your hard-earned daily driver. Sure. Wow. One of the most interesting results was actually the Land Rover Discovery. Mm-hmm. It was actually possible to use a lock picker to get into the car. Because this is 1973 where you can <laughs> lock pick your way into a car. However, once inside, the thieves were not able to start the car. In every single case where the thieves were able to drive away with the car, they were able to do so in under a minute. Wow. So basically, they they said um, at the end of the day, keyless cars were easier to steal than those that had a standard key. So if you just have a key that just goes in and unlocks the car, that's, that's more it. secure. That's more secure. Mainly because you have to, um, it takes more time. Yeah. Lock picking takes more time. Plus, if you start fiddling around with that kind of thing, there's usually a sensor that'll set off the alarm. Right. So it's. Good point. Yeah. Basically, you, or when you, you could just have an old 911 where the keys just work with each other's cars. You could do that, <laughs> yes. I think the way that it works is if you have a, if you have a, let's say, like a 2000 Mark IV Golf, okay, like a 2001 sure. Golf GTI or anything, when you unlock it with mm-hmm. the with the button, right. the fob, it deactivates the alarm and unlocks the doors, right? Okay, so then basically what it does is you've got two separate ways of unlocking them. But when you just use the key or the what you call it, the lock pick, and you turn the thing, it sets the alarm off because you didn't hit the button, right? No, because I could go up to a locked 
Mark IV and use the actual key. Yeah, because and it's got a chip. It. It's got a chip in it. Right. So you also need whatever that right. part of it is. So anyway, don't have any alarm system whatsoever, and they won't be able to steal your car. Yeah, yes. no kidding. So the new Land Rover prototype is out. Okay. And it is watching you. It's watching me? It's watching you. The Jaguar Land Wait, Rover has, <laughs> has created self-driving cars with eyes that are used to communicate with pedestrians when it's safe to cross in front of them. I don't understand. <laughs> Currently being tested in Coventry, England, the prototype autonomous vehicles sport two eyes in the front, giving them a friendly face. Wait, is this like the movie Cars where they just have the big like cartoon eyes? Yes. Really? <laughs> yes. <laughs> Much like human drivers, the cars make eye contact with nearby pedestrians to acknowledge that they've they've seen them and are stopping to let them cross the road safely. All right, take a look at Oh the, my god, this thing is creepy. The cars or this is what makes it bad. What makes it what? They're called iPods. <laughs> what? Did they, <laughs> did they not want to so dumb. Did they not want to call them eyeballs? I don't know. They're just trying to be kitschy with the iPod. iPods are part. I wonder if some guy in the in the in the marketing was like, "Let's call them iPods. It'll be so funny." <laughs> are part of a suite of tests being conducted by Jan- Jaguar Land Rover's Future Mobility Division, which is exploring how humans can be encouraged to trust self-driving cars. Okay, because I suppose, I'm yeah. I don't want to walk for in ideas or looking at how drivers, driver. pedestrians, and other road users already communicate. They appear to look directly at nearby pedestrians to signal if it's safe to cross. And engineers are recording the subject's trust levels before and after to gauge how much confidence they have in the vehicle stopping. Wait, how do you what? How do you judge someone's trust level? Well, I don't know. They, they just it's it's like a, it's human interaction, right? It's body language. Okay, but are they? You, is there someone on the street? How scale one to ten? Did you trust that car that was looking? I mean, at you? I'm going to imagine it's biometrics. It's your heart rate. It's your... I think that's too high tech. They have iPods. (laughs) What do you mean? It's second nature to glance at the driver of the approaching vehicle before stepping out of the road. that makes sense. Understanding how this translates in tomorrow's more automated world is important. Mm -hmm. We want to know if it's beneficial to provide humans with information about a vehicle's intentions or whether simply letting a pedestrian know it's been recognized is enough to improve confidence. I don't, I don't you're like gonna it. You're going to have cars with eyes. I don't <laughs> like it at all. Because also here, what if you're just sitting there in the corner? Can you, ma- can you imagine what designers are going to say if it's it's passed and the European Union passes? Your cars must have eyes. Everybody that designs cars is just going to go, no, I don't want cars uh, with eyes. And then D- this Just is- integrating eyeballs into cars is not, it's not good. No. I mean, they're, everybody's going to have to hire Pixar and design their cars. And then there's going to be <laughs> uprising about what ethnicity the eyeballs should oh, be. Oh, if their blue eyes were all in trouble. Right. Yeah. Or, oh, no, I can see this going so, <laughs> what if you opening have a, just a can of worms. What if you have like a white Audi with blue eyes? <laughs> with a blonde interior. <laughs> <laughs> nope, can't have that, Chris. <laughs> All right, oh, so I don't know, but okay, so it acknowledges that there's a pedestrian there, but looks over at, him. at these with these eyes that are basically screens, right? But what if you're not intending on crossing the street? Like some people are just hanging out, waiting on the side of the street. <laughs> are you going to have the car going to just stop and it's staring at you? And you're, you're going like, to have a staring what the, contest. What the heck? What do you want? <laughs> I wonder if it blinks, or if you're just like staring at it without. Would blinking. that be more or less creepy if this car blinks at you? Oh, that would be way worse. Hold All right, on, there's a video. I want to. I want to see if it blinks. All right, so. You can look while I'm going. I'll move on before everybody gets tired of us talking about iPods. Oh, it's uh, even more creepy when you see it in action. Is it brutal? 
Actually, it looks really sad. <laughs> <laughs> it's because it's an automated car. It's like even, it's the eyes aren't like open and happy. They're just kind of like depressed even, looking. Even the eye self doesn't like oh, its iPod. Oh, it got happy when it saw the person, though. Oh, did it yeah. really? Oh, God. Oh. All right. So Europe is not getting the Shelby GT500. And I love it. Okay. Why? Because good. I hope they want it. I hope they... I hope they wait years to get in. I hope they never get <laughs> is it. Is this just to say we got something you don't have? This is a big F you. I hope they never get the thing. I hope they cry into their tea on a daily basis that something kick-ass is being withheld from their highly accented, smarter-than-us <laughs> sounding selves. Except when it comes to auctions. Right. <laughs> I can't anyway, I can't see some pompous British dude like Owning with his it. finger up driving a Mustang, a GT five hundred. Well, I can at, barely look at Richard Hammond. <laughs> yeah, he's obviously weird. He's compensating for no. something. He's short, so he's compensating for something. What does that say about you and me? <laughs> whoa, 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 whoa! Does this mean I'm compensating way less? All right. So Ford performance marketing manager Jim Owens confirmed to MCNT, which I I couldn't find out what MCNT. That I couldn't find motor car. Uh, whatever. I couldn't figure out what. Sure. It they didn't. The newspaper didn't link it. That the GT500 will be sold in North America, Mexico, and the Middle East. But not Europe. But not Europe. Interesting. <laughs> Decision to withhold the Shelby GT500 from Europe wasn't Ford's to make. Oh. Like the V8-powered Chevy Camaro and Corvette, which were both banned from the block this year, the 2020 Shelby GT500 doesn't comply with EU emission regulations. Oh, <laughs> uh, I don't think anything else needs to be said. Well, you guys did it to on. yourselves. Parliament fucked you. Can't you can... they sell the like Hellcat over there? How is that know. that can much they? different? Can they? I have no idea. I... There's cor- like the, the LS6 or whatever it is. Corvette can't. LT1 stuff. All that stuff can't be sold. Oh, there. really? Yeah. Hmm. All right. Last story. What do we got? The Audi RS6 Avant is officially coming to america official official it's official as of yesterday i wish i had some sort of like dun 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 i'll just play our uh, like we what need some this? sort of intro like, like we need yeah. all right so the 2020 rs6 avant will be offered not only in the states but also in mexico mexico and canada okay so everybody's getting it yes and this is actually i didn't realize this this is the actually the first rs6 avant ever to be sold in I North knew that America. because it's been it's been a constant of why isn't this car here? Why isn't this car here? There's people that want it and there's people clamoring for it. You could get an RS6 sedan here. Okay. And you could get an S6 Avant here. Okay. So why didn't they do an RS6 Avant? They must not have thought people were going to buy it and they didn't want to look But it's always kind of been their flagship. Besides the R8. Yeah, the R8 was probably their flagship over the last Quite Before that, time. right? Because remember the V10 twin turbo RS6 Avant. We didn't get the RS2 either. We didn't get anything no, cool. I don't. That's true. So here's the problem: is that Volkswagen's an incredibly wealthy company. Wouldn't they want these hot cars to be all around the world to represent? Because they're like as we talked about last week, they're loss leaders anyway. They're not making money necessarily. You on don't an think RS6. they are? If they're selling an RS6 for one hundred twenty thousand dollars, mm-hmm. and it's like some carbon fiber aluminum like <laughs> hybrid situation. Well, I mean, how many, they, how many still, do they need to sell to recoup the cost? Right. It still comes down to that math game because now they have to make it match all of our regulations as far as crash standards and everything else. All right. So, so what anyways, tell me power what this, figures. We know it's 600 horsepower, whatever. 591 
It's going to be a twin-turbo 4-liter V8 that uh, is already used in some of their RS cars. However, it's going to have a mild hybrid setup. So the 2020 RS6 Avant comes with a 48-volt main electrical system utilizing a belted alternator starter system. Well, what? What? So this is basically, from my understanding, like the uh, start-stop systems in cars, where you come up to the stoplight and it stops, I and then to start so it much. again. I was in Texas uses... in, the, in a minivan, and it kept stopping. It was 100 degrees outside. It would turn off, and I would just it would start blowing warm air, and I got furious. I'm like, <laughs> why? I suppose. I didn't even think of the AC. Yeah. So it's basically going to be able to use the starter motor slash alternator on the engine Wait, so the starter motor and the alternator are the same thing? That's what I'm getting from this, yes. Okay, so you can make a, an alternator be a motor. You, you just, just reverse it. You, no, you have to do... Eh, it's not quite that simple. Eh, it's that simple. No, it isn't. Sure. It's, no, it isn't. Sure. It's not that simple. But you, you people do it and make go-karts out of them. Sure. So they put the alternator back there, rewire like it. I said, and so, yeah, you just, it's, there's like eight wires that go to an alternator. Just throw some juice into them, see what happens. <laughs> Regardless, so it uh, recovers up to 12 kilowatts of energy during light D cell power being stored in a separate lithium ion battery. So, so that's let's 12 that's 12,000 watts kilowatts. Yes. Yeah, I just you say 12 kilowatts it makes people not just 12. 12,000 watts. That's pretty significant. Yeah. Uh, the goal is to allow the car to coast to recover energy up to 40 seconds each time with the engine switched off. This mild hybrid system allows start-stop op- operations at speeds up to 14 miles per hour. Audi claims this system alone can save uh, a liter per 100 kilometers. 0.8 liters. Yes. So you get about what? how many liters are in a gallon? I don't know. Hey, we Surrey. <laughs> Surrey? How many liters are in Surrey? a gallon? One gallon is 3.79 liters. Okay, so you're saving a third of a it's gallon. It's not that impressive. It's a all. third of a gallon per 60 miles. Yeah, it's not working. Why? Why? Complexity. We No, they need to have something like this in it so people don't freak out that it's just some monster. True. Uh, power will be delivered through an eight-speed Tiptronic because we know Audis don't have any manuals anymore. It's, of course, going to be Quattro. But if that's not DSG. Tiptronic's not DSG. That's a torque converter if that's Tiptronic. It might be a misnomer. I would imagine it's a DSG. I don't know. Uh, Aston Martin doesn't always have DSGs now. They like torque converters. Really? They've gotten good enough that... Hmm. Don't you remember that news article we did a long yeah, time ago? Yeah, I do. Where the Aston Martin engineer guy was like, yeah, torque converters are great. We're going to we're gonna use those now. Yeah, I do vaguely remember that. Yeah. Anyways, uh, 0 to 60 in 3.6 seconds. Uh, also has all the bells and whistles like adaptive air suspension and the sport suspension gets hydraulic dampeners. You love that. <laughs> the DRC system, dynamic ride control. This yeah. is going to have that actually, same as on my RS4. That's a terrible system. Uh, and of you course, you were just saying it was awesome when we were on the way back. Really awesome. I just don't want to have to work on it. Uh, it's 1.6 inches wider than the standard S6 Savant or A6 Savant, and it has that RS really aggressive looking exterior bodywork that does make it look really kind of evil and awesome. One of the uh, one of our listeners, Matt, actually our resident engineer, made a comment about he wishes that body lines on the hood would have stopped with Chrysler. And when you, if you look at the hood of that thing, it looks like uh, not a, what is it, the Chrysler Crossfire or whatever it is. Uh oh, yeah. It, it's 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 not now good, I gotta man. see this. It's not good. Oh, like the hood streaks. Yep. It's not good. Really? No, it's not good at all. That's not bad. What are you talking about? It's terrible. No, they're just, they're crease lines. Yeah, but It's not like just like. I, don't, I can't do it. No, it's fine. All right. 
I think that's all we have, isn't it? For news? Are we yeah. done? That's it? We're done. Um, let's. Uh, I'm going to try and... Uh, well, we'll say goodbye to you guys here. We're going to hang out on the live stream <laughs> a little bit, see if anybody's there. Um, yeah. We appreciate you guys listening, and we'll see you on... Well, th- I'm not going to be here. I'm out right. this week. So we're so going actually... to figure out something to give you guys. Let's figure out something. Maybe we'll throw uh, one of the super old Patreon exclusives on there yes. so you can guys hear about here. Speaking of which, we are going to be having a new Patreon episode for those exclusive Patreon subscribers. Be sure to go over to patreon.com slash overcrest. Sign up. Help us out. And we would certainly appreciate it. All right. We'll see you guys later. We'll be right back.